You're listening to the Identity at the Center podcast. This is the show that talks about identity and access management and making sure you know who has access to what. Let's get started. Welcome to the Identity at the Center podcast. I'm Jeff, and that's Jim. Hey, Jim. Hey, Jeff. How are you? Oh, not so bad. Yourself? Doing great. So I took a picture of the tagline for the Octane 22 conference where we are today. It was, identity belongs to you. I posted it to LinkedIn, asked people what it meant to them. I'm hoping that folks can think about that and maybe add a comment to that post. Yeah, that is definitely the tagline for here. We are at Octane 22. I uh, definitely want to give a shout out to Okta. Uh, definitely hooking us up with this nice little room that we're in. We've got some folks in here that we're going to get to in a second, but shout out to Okta team for helping us out and definitely obviously for RSM for funding the travel. So with that little bit of uh, blurb out of the way, let's get to our guests in the room. We've got Eugenio Pace. He's the president of customer identity at, at Okta and Shiv Ramji, who's the chief product officer at customer identity at Okta. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank, Thank you for having me. Yeah, so let's start with uh, Shiv. Um, one of the things we always like to find, you know, kind of find out is the identity origin story. So how did you get into the identity world? Is it something that you chose or did it choose you? And we'll start with you, Shiv, and then we'll go to Eugenio. I mean, I certainly didn't choose identity, that's for sure. Uh, and I think I accidentally ended up in the identity world. Um, so started about, you know, 15, 16, 17 years ago, started as an engineer. And my first project, uh, that I worked on as an engineer was to build a single sign-on portal. Kind of what we take for granted and we get out of the box today from Okta was not the case. So uh, at the time I was working for Nielsen, this is a TV ratings company. Um, and so yes, yeah, so I built the first single sign-on portal for the field operations team. And so I had first-hand knowledge of building something like that. And so that's the origin. But over the years, I've just been a downstream consumer of identity information or identity data, whether it was marketing, advertising, cloud computing. Um, and then about three years ago, Eugenio and Matthias reached out and said, hey, we're building this thing uh, to solve identity and we'd love for you to uh, join us on this journey. And um, I was like, yes, I know that problem because I worked on it many, many years ago. So uh, that really helped, and that's how I ended up here. One of my best decisions, by the way. <laughs> Isn't that great when you find like people just out yes, in the world that absolutely. just fit right naturally in, and it's like, yes, like it we've done it. Makes all the difference. <laughs> makes all the difference. For me, identity is also like uh, a story of identity finding me, and serendipity. I'm a developer. I'm an engineer as well. I was working uh, for for Microsoft. And uh, Microsoft was working in, the, in what eventually became um, Microsoft Azure. And my I was part of the Visual Studio team. And so tools and frameworks for developers. And my, my boss at that time said, like, you have to go and find anything that stands in the way for developers to build in the cloud. And it was like a new paradigm. And so I started doing research of you know, how things are different. The network, the latency, the deployment, the infrastructure, everything is somewhat different. And I quickly realized that uh, identity management was a big obstacle for building in the cloud or moving applications to the cloud. And so the that was a, the start of the journey. And since then, you know, here we are, Octane 22. <laughs> so, and you mentioned Microsoft. We've had Vittorio Bertocci on, uh, on our show multiple times. He's a friend of the program. I understand you guys wrote a book together, which is not something that I think we knew about until literally a couple minutes ago. So what, is, what was that about? 
<laughs> yes. So actually, my very first conversation about identity was with Vittorio. And so I still remember Microsoft had this lab building 20 in the campus. And uh, we had like this, uh, it was an amazing place where you can experiment with technology and brainstorm. And I have this vivid memory of having like a white, like a massive whiteboard in the, in the, in the great Vittorio style, you know, like great uh, uh, artistic <laughs> whiteboard. <laughs> and he explained to me like how uh, modern identity works and, you know, claims and federation and how SAML worked and WS Trust and all these protocols that were, it was an entire world that I didn't know about. And so when I was discovering this, um, this challenge, we captured all the challenges in a little book that we co-authored. So the writers of the book was Vittorio, myself, Matthias, the founder, of, the other founder of Otsiro, and a couple of other, other experts in the domain. And we published the book in 2009. It was like a little, very popular book, not, not the New York Times, you know, bestseller uh, <laughs> list, but... Not yet, we'll fix that on the show. Well, you know, it's still <laughs> well, it's available around. on Amazon, it's still I believe. Around. And so that was a, was a, a, a big success in Microsoft, uh, because it captured like in a, it was a concise and and it was like a, 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 was like a list of, uh, of scenarios where identity was really difficult to implement. You know, sign-on, APIs, and this and that. That was 2009. So I got to ask, 2009, how much of that content do you think is still relevant today? Oh. Or has it changed completely that, you know, that 30% of it is like no longer valid? Or is it less than that? Are there constants that were discovered? Well, you know, that's a great question because it ties into the timelessness of what we do. The, the solutions are different. And maybe we don't use uh, WS Federation as much as we used it before. And, and maybe we make, Okta, we make some of those things kind of irrelevant because it's not, not, no longer a concern which is part of our goal, is to turn anybody in an expert without being an expert. But the concepts, the architecture are timeless. And it's like those concepts are still, I still send people, you know, if you go and, and search on Stack Overflow, which I, every once in a while I spend a, a few minutes, you know, going around, I still answer questions on identity and access management with chapters of the book. And you say like, oh, you know, Chapter one, we talk about claims and what do they mean. And I got to tell you, that's the ultimate copy-paste answer. <laughs> it's like, I've answered this question before. Yeah, just check out my book. <laughs> yes, yes, well, I'm not as in your face as that, but that's, yes. Yeah. It's two, two cents per copy that gets sold, <laughs> I'm sure. Well, the book is free, by the way. Oh, you, can download, you can download it from, uh, from Microsoft still today. A PDF. I'll find the link and I'll put it in our show notes so people can check it out. But That's great. the 2009 book uh, was a success. In 2011, we wrote another edition of the same book, which we creatively called, same title, second edition. <laughs> and uh, it was double the size. And in fact, that was the epiphany for what eventually became Alcira. I'm so interested in the origin stories, but we're here at the conference and so much is being announced and there's so much change going on, so much investment happening in the platform. What are some of the, the key announcements that came out in the conference this week that you guys are excited about that you want people to know about? 
I'll I'll tell you maybe the higher level of the like the product strategy that we're following, and maybe she, you can go deeper into this, the specific capabilities. But the biggest announcement that we made is that we we decided to tackle the market with specialized two specialized offerings, and so one is the one that we call the Okta Workforce Identity Cloud, and the other one is what we're now calling the Okta Customer Identity Cloud, which is essentially powered by the technology that we built at Ozero. And so we have these two things which solve the same underlying problem, which is figuring out who is a user and who isn't, but in a way that it's tailored to different use cases, to different buyers, to different scenarios, and they are, we, we are we are focused on solving those really, really well. So that's kind of like the big, bigger announcement, because there's like, there's like um, um, a temptation to say, well, it's identity, it's authentication, it's the same thing for, let's have one thing that does, does everything. And it's like saying, you know, oh, we need a car. Uh, it needs wheels, it needs uh, engines, it needs steering wheels and headlights. But, uh, you know, there's minivans and SUVs and sports cars and Formula One racing cars. They all have wheels, but they all have different purposes and they've been sold to different people. So here's is the same, the same concept. So Shiv, same question to you. <clears throat> yeah, so I think going deeper into the customer identity uh, announcements, I think some are, are obvious that, that I think your listeners and even you all have been following for the last few months. So. We announced support, global support for pass keys, which will come in Q2 of 2023. I think this, you know, again, advances our story of um, providing a passwordless experience. So I think that's really big uh, and impacts all of us as consumers at the end of the day. We're also trying to solve for um, authentication in highly regulated industries. So think of utilities, healthcare, financial services. Um, and so we've announced support for um, financial-grade identity, which is a suite of features and products that are going to uh, be released starting uh, next next year, beginning of Q2 of next year, and it's essentially supporting a, ho a whole bunch of protocols that allows um, companies that operate in highly regulated industries to essentially work with our products uh, because there's the extra layers of security and, uh, and regulations that they have to adhere to. So that's like a big yeah. thing. We, and you know, it wouldn't be uh, an identity conference or an identity announcement if it didn't include security, right? So security is a big focus uh, throughout our stack, but specifically, uh, and now we announced the availability of Security Center. The idea is basically, and a lot of our customers tell us, it's like, you know, I love your product, so easy to use, so easy to get started, but like, how is my identity infrastructure doing? vis-a-vis -vis security. Uh, and of course, you know, we initially said, hey, you can, you can stream this information, whatever SecOps tool you're using, you know, whether it's Datadog, Splunk, whatever. But a lot of them are like, can we just log into your dashboard and see what's going on with our uh, implementation? And so it started from that idea that, um, that you can have a one-stop shop from an identity perspective, and you can get all the information that you that you need. So that's another uh, big announcement. That security center I saw yesterday in in um, the presentation Henry, that you were were kind of leading, and I got to tell you, I'm a stickler for like little details, little flourishes. And for those who haven't seen it, I would 
this is going to tell you how much of a nerd I am. Um, just the way the chart dynamically updates and has like this subtle shift to the left over time. I mean, just chef's kiss. Like <laughs> the design is fantastic. I would encourage people to go check it out. I'm sure there's videos out there and stuff like that. But I did sort of nerd. Like I noticed the little details on the design side of things. I was like, oh yeah, this is like if I were going to design something like. That's the way I would want it to look. It's, it's really well done, so congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. So to really understand Customer Identity Cloud, I think you have to go back to kind of the origin story of Auth0. We'd love to get that. As Jeff mentioned, we've had Andres Aguilar on the podcast. We've had Vittorio, some kind of old school Auth0 people. Um, but Eugenio, since we have you here, maybe you can kind of give us some of the, the history that made Auth0 and leading into now being part of Okta um, Customer Identity Cloud. Yeah, sure. Well, I mentioned the book, right? We, we talked about the book, the second edition of the book. The second edition came in 2011, and um, as I mentioned, it was double the size of the original one. And so I, I kept, you know, I thought we can keep writing about this and hoping people will find the book, it's free, it's a PDF read the book, understand the book, copy-paste the code in the book, into their own code, or we can just solve the problem. And so I, I applied for a job inside Microsoft to do this, to do what eventually became Mouth Zero. And uh, naturally, I did not get the job, which was probably one of the best uh, gifts that Microsoft gave me, among many others. I'm, I'm really grateful to Microsoft in many, many ways. but. In 2012, um, my wife, in her infinite wisdom, she said, like, well, you're going to die one day regretting not doing this. And it's worse to regret something than doing something. And, you know, if it doesn't try, work... Try it, and fail. Right. Yeah, try. Yeah, at least you try. And so she, she really gave me the, the final push to, to uh, leave Microsoft, which was really great for me. I was... I was really happy there. And in December of 2012, I gathered the last bit of courage. I resigned after 13 years at Microsoft. And I started Auth0 with Matthias, you know, one of the other authors. I couldn't afford Vittorio. So, you know, we couldn't <laughs> convince him to join right away. But that will take another couple of years, but we did it uh, as well. And so we started the company. With the, with the goal of essentially saying, let's, all the list of scenarios that you read in the book, let's have them as just like things that you, we shape out of the box. And so the, in, uh, in March of 2013, we got our first customer, which I was in charge of sales at that time. Matthias was building stuff and I was like- You're in charge of everything, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And so that's how we split the, our, our responsibilities. And I had this, uh, you know, at that time, I, we had this like chatbot on the website. And everybody who joined there, I would reply instantaneously. And, and you know, I knew a, a few things about identity. So I could provide like this great support and perspective. So everybody was very happy with free consulting. And uh, this guy calls me on Skype and he would say, I want to know how it works. And, we did a little bit of pair programming and uh, over Skype. And at the end of that, he said, like, I want to pay for this. How much? I have no clue how much to charge him and say, well, $50. And he said, oh, yeah, it's too much. I, I'm Hold starting. on. $50? $50, $50 per okay. month. 
Vermont. It's recurring. Oh, Vermont. Okay, right. It's a right. subscription business. That There's you. the foresight. Yeah, okay, good. <laughs> yeah. So we, we negotiated a little bit and uh, we ended up in $27 per month. Don't ask me how we ended up on that number, but we ended up on that number. And I was so happy and I was ecstatic, you know, that a couple months later we already had a paying customer. And my wife comes and says, what happened? I say, oh, we sold our first deal. You know, we have a customer, a paying customer. And she asked... How much? How much? <laughs> yeah. And I said, $27 per month. And she said, you're going to need a lot of those. <laughs> and she was More right. gentle pushing. <laughs> yes, yes. She keeps me, you know, uh, accountable. But anyway, that was the start. And uh, a couple months later, we, just to complete the story, we, I, you know, also somewhat serendipitously, uh, a friend of mine was working in a big company. He learned about what we're doing. He said, oh, this, this is actually exactly what we need uh, here. And so we, that became our very first enterprise deal. And that was like hundreds of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars, sorry. And so we had like the two data points, you know, the developer working on, you know, on his own, pay as you go, you know, credit card, all the way to enterprise, CISO, security, procurement, um, uh, on the other side of the spectrum. And by then we knew that we had something real. You know, like we prove one point is a point and an anecdote, two data points is a line. And you already have like a, a function there. And uh, then we decided to go all in and to grow the company and invest, get investors. We bootstrapped the company for one year uh, we got investors, we hired Vittorio, we hired uh, other people uh, to help us, you know, build what eventually became Alt Zero. So cool. And now you're part of Okta. I guess, tell me, how's that been going? It's been a couple of years now, I believe. Anything that people out there, you know, can take away as fans kind of like thinking about, okay, well, how has this actually been working? Like, is it, it's turning the customer into any cloud. What are lessons learned or, or, or things like that you'd want to share? Well, our journey with Okta actually has a very long uh, story because, you know, in that year, in 2013, uh, about a half year, in between the two deals, the, I got a, this call from random person that I didn't know, uh, Todd McKinnon, and he introduced himself and said, I'm Todd, I'm founder of Okta. Uh, I really like what you're doing, you know, I mean, looking at the website and the content and you should be working with us. And I say, yeah, well, that's very flattering, but you know, we just started. I have one customer, <laughs> one and a half customers, and so we, you know, I declined the, even the, the 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 consideration, but we remained in contact over years, over ten years, and then we became friends, and you know, we we admired each other, and and we 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 did we solved the same problem, but for different people for different audiences, in different ways. And uh, naturally, you know, over 10 years, that perspective on the market uh, stayed. But what, what, uh, what didn't change from the very beginning is that we had the same aspiration of what to build. And so, you know, you, you heard Todd yesterday say, you know, um, 
what was uh, what was I always confuse like the two visions because they are almost the same. You know, for for Alcino it was um, uh, secure access for everyone, and in in Okta is like provide access for everyone to safely use safely technology. technology. Yeah, they're so they're exactly the same, and so coming together was really uh, an opportunity of realizing that future faster. Because you know, if we had gone our separate ways for five years longer, or ten years longer, we would have been like the true nemesis, like equal. But now we are an opportunity where we can combine forces and solve all these problems way faster than on yeah. our own. As someone on the outside kind of looking in when this was happening, it struck me as how complementary the two organizations were. I think at that time, you know, Okta was kind of known as the workforce identity right. company. Right. And Auth0 was very developer focused, which lent itself very well to the customer identity side. Yep. And it, when the, the news broke, it was like, well, yeah, no, duh. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it totally makes sense. Like, why not do that? Yes. Um, so it was, it was interesting. And, and uh, to, follow, to follow the journey and have had conversations with folks on both sides at this point kind of helps us kind of put that into context. So um, yeah, it's been, it's been interesting even just from outside. I'm sure there's great stories on the inside. We won't get anybody in trouble or try to put anyone in comfortable spots. But just as, a cat, as an observer from the outside in the space, it was just like, yeah, like, like I said, no duh. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it was a, it was an, an unusual acquisition too, because you know you might think, oh well, it's a big company acquiring a small company, but we were not that small by then, and so we're not the ten people startup. Okta was three thousand people when the acquisition happened, and I'll see was a thousand people, and so it's kind of like you know similar. Of course, we were like a couple of years behind. We're not a public company. Uh, revenue was you know, smaller, obviously. But uh, some of the challenges is like, how it's a big maneuver, you know? It's not like a small thing with a lot of people, with a lot of customers. And, and because we have customers that were using Auth0 for workforce. And Okta had customers using their technology for customer identity. So it's like these gray areas, and you can make it work. You know, you guys are experiencing this. It's software. If you like put enough effort on it, you can make it do whatever. It doesn't mean that it's the right technology for the right use case or the optimized use case. And so part of what we're going through in these 18 months, it's like figuring out our strengths and our capabilities, our where our technology complements and we can connect the dots. And yes, over time we will, there will be a, a journey of, of um, not reinventing wheels that don't need to be reinventing. And so like an example that I always use is, today we don't pay Amazon a zero for our customer identity and workforce identity. There's one bill, you know, it's Okta. And that gives us economies of scale, mm -hmm. not because we consume way more. And so we have a much bigger bill with Amazon, with Amazon, but it's one bill that it's more efficient than having two different bills. Yep. So just an update on how the acquisition's going. I mean, is it going as well as you would expect? I mean, everything we talked about so far has sounded very positive. Is, would you, and, and Shiv, you know, question to you as well. How is that acquisition going? Yeah, so I can start. I think the, you know, one of the the, the the things that are going really, really well, honestly, is from a, the product team and the product and technology strategy that we have. 
we've sort of kept that intact. Really, we've made no changes to the team or integrated the team. So why is that important or relevant? It really gives us the opportunity to continue to serve the customers that we wanted to serve. It gives the opportunity to accelerate some of the things that we wanted to accelerate. And it really allows us to enhance the reach in some of the, the markets that we wanted to get to. Like one example is that we were going we to build um, um, solving authorization is highly regulated industries, but probably would have taken baby steps to, to get there. But now being part of Okta with a global company, you know, global sales force, we're kind of accelerated because, because uh, those, those regulated industries and customers are Okta customers today. So kind of accelerates uh, some of the market needs uh, and the product needs that we had to do. Um, and so, so like, I think those are, those are some really uh, positive things. And then the other area that I wanted to also add it gave us this is now we're in a place where we're thinking about what are the things we need to interrupt together like what should be working well across both clouds and so i think you will see over the next few years some really exciting things like one very simple example is okta has this workflows uh, had used to have this has this workflows product that customers love and we can easily connect it to the customer identity cloud and now customers get the benefit of two products that they that they love using so. so, yeah, I've been um, in the customer IAM space for 20 years. Yep. I've always felt like the authentication side was well solved. I felt like the identity management side of consumer kind of went back to the customer to do a lot of custom developed applications. Like, how do you want to let people register if you've got a delegated administration kind of scenario? Well, yep. Now with the workflows, you can let the customer solve that all within a low-code, no-code environment. Exactly. And so, yeah. so I think, so I think there's some, there is a lot there, including security and risk signals, uh, obviously. And uh, and if you had watched the the keynote yesterday, we think we have something unique that we can do for uh, SaaS builders or SaaS application builders because um, we kind of we now represent both sides of the equation. So you can really accelerate a lot of uh, capabilities and standards, and so. We're just we're just getting started with that. Uh, I'm just incredibly excited about what we can do in the future. There. Yeah, very cool. Also, technology like pass keys and you know you announced FastPass here at the conference. Seems to me that that's not for customer or workforce. It's for whatever wherever you want to use those things, right? So yes, yeah. I, I think if you look at like pass keys. Um, it, it really should work in any scenario across devices, but there is one difference, which is in a consumer use case, you, you, know, you really want this ubiquitous access across all devices, across different browsers. In a workforce scenario, it's similar. However, I think uh, identity admins or CISOs uh, or CAOs, they may want to have a little more control and policies uh, over passkey. So I think there is a subtle difference in, the, in how we implement it. But both both clouds will be supporting it, and uh, again, it really takes one of the uh, uh, surface areas for for attacks, which is passwords, uh, away, which which is which is exciting. So, what's next in the customer identity space? I, I mean, you guys have been doing this for a while. Um, what do you see coming up as okay? Pass keys are great. What's next? How are we going to make things easier, better, more secure? Right, everything that that goes along with that. 
Yeah, so so uh, I'll, I think the there are, we're watching a few trends, um, and I'll just talk about two. Uh, and one I'm more excited about, I think, it has more more legs than the other. But the first one is um, is you know there is these decentralized technologies that are building, and so you hear a lot of noise and and excitement, depending on who you ask, uh, about Web three. So I think at the very least we want to be a provider that bridges the two worlds, you know, because I don't think we take a position of it's all web two, it's all web one or web three. Frankly, the, the thing we are here to solve for is we're connecting so many different technologies and, um, uh, and products. So it doesn't matter if it's web one, web two, web three, we want our stack, our technologies to work across all. So bridging those will be, uh, we're starting to, we've already started doing some of this. A lot of experiments, uh, so you, you can do like sign-in with Ethereum if you wanted. So that's one. The second one, I think there is still a bunch of identity data that's essential in physical formats and in silos. So we think that will be like the next wave. You know, think of your driver's license, your passport, your birth certificate, insurance cards. There's so much data that's still in a physical format for a good reason, by the way. Uh, if we can bring that online, and, and use verifiable credentials now that we all have devices uh, with biometrics. Uh, I think that would be uh, really amazing. And frankly, it removes friction from our daily lives. Imagine not having to remove your insurance card every time you go to the doctor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm noticing uh, some of that improvement coming in in small waves. You know, I think an example of that I've most recently had is the TSA going in to get through an airport, now you don't actually have to show your badge, I mean, your, your, um, uh, your ticket. They're just looking at your ID and they've... And actually, last time I went into, through TSA, I didn't even have to show my ID. They had a camera set up and did a biometric of my face. Now, I had to approve that from a privacy standpoint, yes. but they were able to take my, my facial biometrics and map that back that I had a ticket for that day and they mm -hmm. let me right through. I think it's very similar to like what Clear is doing, for example, and some of that yes. stuff. But that, that idea of a digital verified credential or identity is a big part. I think, I, I believe of the future, what I'm concerned about is the, um, the platforms playing along with that. You've got Android, you've got Apple. Historically, they don't really work well together and trying to come up with something that works ends up having half measures on one or the other. So I'm, you know, I, I'm excited about sort of the collaboration that's going on with Fido, for example, where everyone's on board. Correct. I'd love to see a similar type of concept where, you know, I'm a first class citizen if I have a iPhone because I have, you know, X capability versus an Android phone, which in the world is far more than, than Apple users coming up to that. And I think, is that something that concerns you as well? We, or am I thinking about it really myopically? Uh, no, we 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 are. It's less of a concern. I think that this is exactly why why Okta exists actually, because we actually don't care what platform or stack you're on. We want to build a neutral and independent uh, a cloud that essentially works across all platforms. And so you, you bring up a very good point. Okay, great. If all these innovations are on the iPhone, it works well if you're in the iPhone or Apple ecosystem. What happens if somebody in your family member is on Android and now they feel left out? So we want to make sure our technology works across platforms. And I think that's exactly the reason why, why Okta is the company to go solve a problem like this, because we care about all of these scenarios and we're not preferential to one platform or another. 
And we recognize that these platforms have their own reasons to do whatever they're doing, which is fine, um, uh, whatever choices they make. Um, and, you know, we're big proponents of standards bodies where we can advance for the entire industry. And there'll be cases where if it's not moving as fast, well, we will go build some initial standards and, 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 and try to get adoption. So I think... Um, so, so I think our technology actually becomes even more relevant and even more powerful in a world where you have so much platform fragmentation. Uh, we see this in our work lives, by the way, uh, every day. And so uh, when, when this shifts to the consumer, same thing, we will, we will, we will try to solve it across platforms. So I'm gonna, we're, we're gonna wrap, start to wrap things up because Magic Johnson is about to go on stage and I think we all wanna go see <laughs> we it. We all wanna see that. Yeah. Mackenzie's in the corner, she's a silent participant here. She's got her thumbs Lakers up Lakers fan, I think. Yeah. yeah, but we're gonna end on a lighter note and you know, the, I'll pose this question to Shiv first and we'll, we'll kinda go around the room that way. If you could have uh, any person, living, living person for dinner, who would it be? Yeah, so I'm a big uh, Manchester United fan, uh, which is uh, English uh, football. And so uh, Sir Alex Ferguson, who was a coach for about 20, 24 years uh, there, uh, you know, I, I became a fan since, since he was a coach. And so uh, it would, I would just love to have an evening with him. I think there's a ton I could learn from the years that he spent uh, coaching these uh, amazing players and won, you know, 19 different trophies. Is there like a first question that you would want to ask? I'm just like, it's like, how do you manage all these egos? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Eugenio, how about yourself? Yeah, well, you know, in, in the 10 years that we've been building Al Zero and now in my role here at Okta, I found another passion, you know, of mine. I'm an engineer. Of course, I love technology and all of that stuff. But Eventually, I learned that uh, my product in building the company was actually building teams as well. So very similar to what uh, she was describing. Um, actually, not, not too long ago, I read a biography of a world leader uh, that I, I admired a lot. And, and I liked her in being in a very difficult role. And I, I could see with, all of, of course, the differences in scale and complexity, I could see a lot of similarities of that. And, became a geek of you know, leadership and, and guiding people into greatness. And so she's Angela Merkel. I think she's a world-class uh, leader and humble and, you know, um, probably no joke, uh, leading one of the biggest economies in the world in a complicated world. And so I would love to have dinner with her. Yeah, no kidding. It was a very stable environment with, uh, yes. with her in charge. Uh, Jim, how about yourself? Who are you so going to handle over for I've dinner? I've got an answer kind of like Shiv's. So as a, a professional athlete, and I thought about it from the standpoint of somebody who I could learn from, right? Somebody who I'm kind of awestruck by, but also somebody I could potentially influence. And I chose Aaron Judge from the New York Yankees. I'm a big New York Yankees fan. The guy had a phenomenal season, mm -hmm. and it was his quote-unquote walk year, which means that he's now a free agent and can sign with any team for as much money as they're willing to offer. But what I'd like to try to influence them to do is stay with the New York Yankees, as long as they're going to give them the money. So, um, yeah, that's, that's my answer. All right. Well, you guys have good answers. Mine is extremely specific. I want to have dinner with George R.R. R. Martin, uh, author of Game of Thrones, and really asking him about season eight. <laughs> um, because I know that, you know, I, look, I love all things Game of Thrones. I thought it was, I, I enjoyed it for what it was. To me, the the 
the series ended when Arya kills the Night King. Sorry, spoiler, right? It's probably put it out there. And the, the next couple of episodes were sort of very quickly trying to tie it up. And I want to know sort of what was the real ending here? Like, what's he thinking about? Because he is still writing the book years later. Yeah. <laughs> we haven't seen it. So I'm curious, just from, uh, uh, I want to close the loop on that one. So you guys give good answers. I got the stupid answer, but uh, that's what I want to oh, have. Well, no, no, I think that's a good answer too. Yeah. And, you know, it's probably like HBO said, all right, we need to wrap this thing up. You know, <laughs> more seasons, that's it. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of wrap things up, let's go ahead and do that now. Um, thank you guys so much for being part of this. Uh, I know you guys are super busy. You have presenting and you've got a whole lot of demands in your time. So we definitely appreciate uh, taking this step for us. And shout out to Mackenzie sitting across here for helping coordinate everything. Uh, and to the entire Octa team, right? Being able to help us out and support us to this as well as RSM. Uh, we are going to go ahead and leave it and go talk to Magic Johnson. You can find us on the web at DennyAtTheCenter.com or on Twitter at IADAC Podcast. And thanks everyone for listening. And we'll talk with you all in the next one. Thanks for listening to the Identity at the Center podcast. If you like what you heard, don't forget to subscribe and visit us on the web at identityatthecenter.com.